There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. one small step for man. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. It's, it's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. This week on Inside Jobs, Brian, Jean, and Lee investigate the treason of Benedict Arnold. Having made every sacrifice of fortune and blood and become a cripple in the service of my country, I little expected to meet the ungrateful returns I have received from my countrymen. So wrote General Benedict Arnold to George Washington in a 1779 letter during the former's court-martial for improperly appropriating funds. What was it that led Arnold to engage in treason against the United States, operating out of the espionage and intrigue-rich New York area? Joining me to discuss the case of Benedict Arnold are civilian investigator Eugene Fort Ticonderoga O'Neill yeah, and conspiracy expert Lee Golden. My only regret is that I have but one Sailor Jerry and Coke Zero to give for my podcast. I'm historian Brian Lane. Welcome to Inside Jobs. Woo wee! We got a doozy today, boys. Yeah. So uh, the Fourth I thought we were talking about. Yeah, I thought we were talking about the American Revolution. That is what we're talking about, Gene. Oh, you said Benedict Arnold. I was confused. Did he? He? You didn't do any research for this show, did you? No. Wait, I thought you said Benedict Cumberpatch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're we're just gonna discuss Lee's review of the new Star Trek movie, which he has only seen twice. (laughs) <laughs> which shows how much i hate it yeah <laughs> but uh yeah no we've got we've got a uh, the fourth of july is coming up which is our nathan our nation's birthday get your fireworks ready yeah i'm gonna blow up so much illegal stuff we have uh my, my friends have a stockpile of shit and their parents are going out of town oh man you're just gonna light human feces <laughs> on fire i'm just gonna <laughs> my friends have been saving shit for over a year now Going over to a large house from a nice Jewish family that's very wealthy from the computer business, and we're going to blow up a shit ton of illegal fireworks. And we're going to hot tub it up while we do it. Guys, there's nothing better than being in a hot tub with some uh, ladies in two pieces blowing shit up. Wow. Just be safe. <laughs> Man, this is a total side story, and I'm, I'm supposed to be the one that reins things in, but I'm going to tell it anyway. But I was recently talking to a friend of mine who converted to Ju- who is a Gentile who converted to Judaism to get married, but he uh, he was already circumcised. Yeah, they and- still have to like take a little prick of blood from you. Yes, they pricked his penis with a like a needle yep. in a ceremony. That it strikes me as nuts. No, Guys, it doesn't strike you as nuts. It strikes you were as shit. all those Come puns on. unintended. <laughs> what were all those puns unintended? Which ones? You have to prick the penis a little bit. It's nuts. Come on. I have a friend. You guys friend. are a couple of jokesters. <laughs> Man, stop being a dick. Um, uh, so, yeah, wait, so, why, why are Jews obsessed with dick blood? Uh, why aren't Catholics? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Catholics are obsessed with menstrual blood. Yeah, we're, oh, okay. yeah, we're obsessed with the blood of Christ, which we drink every Sunday. We we literally we literally drink it every sub uh, every Sunday thanks to our transubstantiation yeah, <laughs> which is when Jesus turns into a truck 
Yeah, the difference between Catholics and Christians, Brian, is that Christians uh, think that the drinking of the drinking of the wine and the eating of the bread is a metaphor for eating the blood and body of Christ, blood and body of Christ. But Catholic, yeah, but uh, Catholics believe we are literally consuming it. That it is that is the actual blood and body of Christ, and that's just been going on for a, a, a millennia. What? It's actually been going on for a millennia. Yeah. <laughs> that millennium that Will Smith was rapping about, it was actually zero to 1,000. It already <laughs> <Okay>. happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we've got uh, the 4th of July coming up, and it sounds like Lee has some pretty good plans. Oh, Gene, yeah. Gene, I believe you will be working. Yeah, I'll be working. I don't have any friends, so I'll probably be sitting here comforting my cat against the explosion sounds. Yeah, Brian will be hating America. I will be plotting. Will From be your pl- secret Nazi moon base, known as New York ag- City. I will be plotting against the United States. While wearing a turban, might I add. I do have a huge beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we decided that in order to uh, ring in the 4th of July, we would do an episode focusing on Benedict Arnold. I almost said Cumberbatch. <laughs> I could hear it in your voice. I it's know. It's like when those news people call uh, Barack Obama Barack Osama and then go, oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but be- So Benedict Arnold, we're going to do an episode focusing on Benedict Arnold, but there was also a lot of interesting spy and intrigue and secret coded messages and that sort of stuff going on in the Revolutionary War, uh, sort of circling what Benedict Arnold did, we thought we'd cover that as well. Yeah, there's lots of cool secret coded messages, um, ciphers, um, executions. lady spies, executions, and also, I'm going to bury the lead a little bit here, a submarine. The world's first uh, military submarine called the Turtle was involved in some of the, some of the espionage of the Revolutionary War era. It was a giant sandwich, uh, a submarine sandwich. Yeah, piloted by the Earl thereof. <laughs> piloted by Beetle Bailey. <laughs> piloted by Beetlejuice. So yeah, so Benedict, Benedict Arnold was uh, was born in in Norwich, which I le- thought was pronounced Norwich forever, but apparently it's Norwich. Yeah, we've been meaning to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> You really embarrass uh, yourself at your graduation speech. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) why would I be talking about Benedict Arnold at my graduation speech? Because you're a fucking traitor, that's why. Oh, holding him up as a hero. (laughs) Uh. He was our school's benefactor. (laughs) (laughs) So he was born in Norwich, uh, Connecticut. I I really like this detail of old-timey families. He was the second son, and the first son had died in infancy. You like so, that old detail of how the first son always died in infancy. <laughs> I just love hearing about crib death yeah. in the olden days. Uh, no, uh, but the, the older son was named Benedict, yeah. and when he died... You have to have someone had, named Benedict, Yeah, they like had the sec- old family name. Yeah, they had the second son, and they were like, yeah, he'll just be Benedict as well. And uh, every child away. take one step to the left, <laughs> right? So, uh, so he he grew up. Um, his his father was not a great manager of money and went into debt, and he became sort of, a drunk. Yeah, he sort of stole Benedict Arnold's birthright of going to prestigious colleges and becoming a landed gentry. 
Yeah, and he had so to leave, uh, leave school at some point because there wasn't enough money to keep sending him back. Yeah, so he just sort of was uh, became an apprentice to an apothecary, which, uh, I mean, how good could apothecaries have been in the 1750s? Yeah, basically, aren't apothecaries just for uh, giving out weird poisons to uh, teenagers who are in love in Romeo and Juliet? How, how good were apothecaries ever? Yeah. <laughs> You're a Christian scientist, right, Gene? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all a bunch of hooey. <laughs> Um, so no, he was, tra- he, he was trained there, but he was able to make up uh, quite a bit of money. And by the time he was only 22, he was able to pay, pay off all of his father's debts and he was able to, you know, become a pretty, buy uh, a, well, buy one of those sweet apothecary masks. <laughs> he went in the shipping industry, right? Yeah. He was able to found his, his own chain of uh, apothecary stores, Dwayne Reed's, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, yeah, he was able to become a merchant, and he started trading heavily, and was like a lot of the founding fathers that you hear about. He was a pretty wealthy and politically active guy, um, and so when the British, we're not going to go over the whole history of the Revolutionary War, but perhaps you remember that taxes were involved. This is as boring as the opening crawl of Phantom Menace. <laughs> There was this really awesome war, and it all happened because of taxes and trade routes. Essentially, there was a difference between eter- internal and external taxes. The colonists were very <laughs> upset over the fact that the British thought that... Dun, 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 Have you ever encountered a continental before? These Marisha are very talented. By the way, those are, they're not supposed to be Asian characters, according to George Lucas. They're supposed to be Transylvanian. And I quote. <laughs> and I quote. Um, so, uh, Benedict Arnold's, uh, uh, profits were very affected by the new taxes that the British were instituting in order to pay off debts from the French American War, or French and Indian War. Yeah. Which was the Seven Years' War, but in North America. Um, and so he became radicalized and that's, you know, you, you know, the story eventually in 1775 at Lexington and Concord shots were fired between, uh, colonial militia and the British army and the revolutionary war started. And so Benedict Arnold, uh, using his own money was able to put together uh, a militia into uh, a a military group and began serving in the Revolutionary War against the British. Yeah, at first there was just kind of a bunch of ragtag guys rolling around and Cumber, uh, Cumberpatch <laughs> Arnold was like, he was like, dude, this is not going to work. So he um, he kind of started organizing a lot of these ragtag guys together. And, he taught them uh, how to believe in themselves and play together. Yeah. Yeah. There was a and, really great montage. And one of the soldiers could knuckle puck and then that was, the rest was his. <laughs> but they found him on the street. And then uh, Benedict Arnold broke his arm, and when it finally healed, he was able to pitch at over 120 miles an hour. And when he couldn't catch it, angels would help him. Also, he was a little giant. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he was he was involved in uh, in the early period of the Revolutionary War, which uh, was actually uh, uh, fairly successful. 
for the American colonists. Um, George Washington was promoted to commander in chief and he was able to claim a victory at the battle of Boston. And meanwhile, they were like, Hey, uh, Benedict Arnold, you're approved to go to Fort Ticonderoga, which is in, you know, upstate New York. There's a bunch of cannons there that he had remembered from before. They wanted to secure those cannons. He remembered the cannons because that was the nursery that his grandfather had sung him every night when he was a child. Right. He wasn't sure if that was canonical or if it was expanded universe, though. <laughs> so he, he went up to Fort Ticonderoga where he ran into Ethan Allen, who you might have heard stories of because he was involved with the Green Mountain Boys, who were, uh, I believe, Vermonters who, uh, you know, waged pretty aggressive guerrilla warfare against the British. But once he teamed up with Alan, it was kind of two egos going off against each other. And Alan refused to serve under Arnold. So Arnold, but he authorized Arnold to serve with him. And so, uh, they led, they, they led this attack. They took Fort Ticonderoga from British, uh, soldiers who didn't even know there was a war going on at this point. And this is, um, uh, geez. Late, no, early, uh, early 1775. News traveled uh, very slowly back then. Yeah. Eventually, at Fort Ticonderoga, they found out the war had started, but it was too late because the Civil War had started. The war had ended, yes, several years ago. (laughs) And also, the reason why the war went on so long is because it took so long for everyone to reload their guns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Battles much... would last months with only 17 <laughs> shots fired. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, you really like that one. Uh, uh, but but so this is sort of the story of uh, Benedict Arnold's military life because after Fort Ticonderoga was taken and those guns were taken for for the Americans, uh, Ethan Allen took all the credit. Yeah, he didn't and, get his promotion, and that's yeah. kind of like the whole thing that pissed off Arnold so much over the years is that he never really got the appreciation um, that some of the other dudes did in the, yeah. In the war. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the, the, the next major operation that he was involved with was the invasion of Quebec, which uh, he... So uh, Canada was was basically very small territory at the time. Yeah, it was like it, a river and two towns, basically. Well, and also, I, I, I heard that same thing, Lee, but also like Toronto existed and there was fighting in Toronto, so I'm not... I might be mistaking the War of 1812, but I think that's... I think you're mistaking the Toronto Blue Jays with the uh, Florida Marlins. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of the G20 Summit. Okay. Um, but, uh, but so, yeah, so he headed up to Quebec to attack Quebec City and Montreal. But, uh, again, as with the, the, um, Fort Ticonderoga mission, he joined up with another soldier named, uh, Richard Montgomery. And even though it was mainly Montgomery's fault that the battle failed, uh, uh, and Montgomery died, Arnold got a lot of the blame. And so he was wounded very harshly in the leg and the, the army that he, he took up there suffered spectacular losses and then they had to retreat back south and it was, it was pretty embarrassing for all, but it really stained, uh, Benedict Arnold's reputation. And because the retreat was so quick and, you know, unorganized, uh, he, he lost a lot of the records that were kept about the battle. Yeah. And so when it came time 
to uh, apply because at this point generals were basically buying their rank um, or off- and high officers were basically buying their rank as was done in the British Army. And so they were also funding a lot of their own military maneuvers. And so when Benedict Arnold applied, uh, you know, turned in his expense report basically to the Continental Congress, a lot of the records had been lost. And so he was claiming um, that he had spent funds that he couldn't account for. And so when it turned out that the Continental, Con- Continental Congress was like, well, there's a thousand pounds or so that you can't account for, so we're not going to pay you back. It not only angered him that he wasn't being returned to this money he had spent, but it also looked bad and yeah. sort of soured his reputation to have asked for monies that then he wasn't repaid. It's it like when like- you come back from a business trip and you go to accounting and you're like, yeah, I forgot the receipts. Uh- <laughs> God, I have to go on so many business trips, and that is a fucking nightmare process. I, I hate the receipts. I, I can't it. even imagine what happened in 1775. Yeah, how much do you think in-room massages went for back then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benjamin um, Franklin had a bunch of awesome business trips back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> straight to Montmartre and all the red light districts up there. <laughs> um Oh, and another thing I forgot to mention. While he was away, his wife had died. Why is that funny? <laughs> this dude's life is such a piece of shit. <laughs> like, like every time he, 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 he was very dedicated to the cause and he would go do things like Fort Ticonderoga or, or as we're about to discuss, like, um, uh, the Battle of Saratoga and he would Did just he get refuse shit on. to fight in battles that didn't have the toga suffix? <laughs> <laughs> it comes from it came from his, the Greek days that he missed out on by not going to Yale. Uh, so yeah. he went to Faber College instead. <laughs> um, but 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 it's just like this dude just got shit on his whole life. It's really Brian. Is that why you like this guy? Because you do everything for the podcast and we just shit on you constantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He would be in the middle of a battle and he would get um, a messenger would run up and be like, "Here you go," and it would be a message from his friend. That canceled plans to meet at a bar after the battle. <laughs> and also, George Washington used to send him letters saying, "Yes, you can totally see nipples in the opening sequence of Barbarella. You're just not looking close enough, dumbass." <laughs> Which is what Lee and I were discussing right before we started. Recording. We're gonna do a whole episode about whether or not you can see nipples in Barbarella. Yeah. I contend yeah. yes. To the folk, to the folks at home, not even I was on that inside joke. Okay. Yeah, because you're taking antacid. Um, so anyway, yeah, so, uh, uh, Arnold came back and he was involved in the Battle of Saratoga, which he, he went to, uh, against orders. Because of the Quebec disaster, uh, he was prevented from participating in this battle, but when he heard it had gone on, he raised his own money, took his own troops, went up to Saratoga, which is, uh, in, um, uh, upstate New New York again. And uh, basically helped General Horatio Gates, which might be the best Revolutionary War name that exists. God, that's what I was going to say. Great name. <laughs> I actually live near a Gates Avenue, which is named after him, uh, which is pretty badass. Yeah. But then Gates was arrested for breaking into his own home. <laughs> is that true or is that a joke? I don't know. Oh, no, that's that, uh, that's that other Gates guy. Never mind. Beer Summit. Uh, oh, <laughs> Henry Louis Gates or whatever. Oh yeah, what were the they? They had weird beer choices when they finally sat down for the beer summit. 
Yeah, it was, it was Trader, like Sam Adams seasonal or something. It was Trader Jose's. <laughs> it's just what I'm drinking right now. Um. So yeah. So he was able to to hoof it up to Saratoga and helped win this battle, but because he had been defying orders, he was actually arrested. Yep. And he all of the glory that would be due to him for, you know, participating in this great American victory against the British at a time when they, you know, it was really unclear that the Americans were going to win this thing or that they even had a chance. And uh, so he lost out on this this opportunity to get his name up there. Yep. Although Washington personally was aware of his um, his service and he, his, his name was eventually cleared in terms of yeah. disobeying orders um he he was still seen as something of uh, a troublemaker or uh, a ne'er-do-well a ne'er-do-well capable of ballyhoo and tomfoolery it's a, it was a whole it was a whole situation for him and washington was a master propagandist so if someone you know wasn't going to make everyone look good in the war even if you knew that he was a decent guy he wasn't necessarily going to upset that boat yeah but so he, um, you know, fought in the Battle of Calistoga, where the Great Geyser helped shoot off the British troops, <laughs> and uh, and and so he 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 also remarried. But uh, this is an interesting detail because the woman that he married, uh, Peggy Shippen, came from a family of loyalists, and from from what I've. Um, uh, learned uh, about the Revolutionary War, it would appear that the the divide between the populace was about one third loyalists, and those were American colonists who were who still the- liked David Tennant as the better Doctor Who, and then the rest, the Patriots, liked Matt Smith. <laughs> but but then uh, so a third were Patriots, and then a third had no preference whatsoever. They just liked to watch the Doctor. <laughs> um, but uh, the companion, but- <laughs> yeah, the companion. God, I read about a fucking Kickstarter that raised $78,000 to build a TARDIS and send it into space. Why are we throwing away our money like this, people? We could be using that on blow. What is a tar- <laughs> What is a TARDIS? TARDIS is the fucking time travel device that looks like a phone booth that the Doctor Who characters use. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty retardous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Banger's going to high-five you through Skype. So, uh, so he married this woman, Peggy Shippen, whose family were all loyalists, which looked a little, mm, it didn't look great to a lot of people. And, um, when he, uh, after he married her, he was living in, Phil- uh, he met her in Philadelphia where he was serving as the military governor. And somebody drove by from Dogs for Life. Yeah, I've been hearing, uh, like, a bunch of, like, children, like, in like making noise in the background. You yeah, just, you like, sound like you're at a playground or something. Or you're, like, harvesting youth of America. And correct me if I'm bizarre... wrong, but you're supposed to stay 100 yards away from any children's playground. <laughs> yeah, after you made that Dr. Mengele TV movie, they don't let you around kids anymore. Uh, it's, I live on a family-friendly street, and there are just always kids out there playing. I, I can't do anything about the sound. You can only but, uh... swing your cane so far. <laughs> but that's why I have to order delivery and delay the show 15 minutes because I'm not allowed because to leave the, children the house. Bully you when you leave the building. <laughs> <laughs> There's cool kids in my neighborhood. Um, they found Princess, my cat, when um, when she was lost. The oh, boys wow. downstairs they make uh, laser gun noises at me when I leave. Oh, you to told shoot us me. about this. Oh, okay. 
Okay, well, I guess that was well, the I'll story. Stop telling the story then. <laughs> Done with the story. Um, yeah, we but so yeah, so he, he it wasn't really he a went, story. It was just be bragging about how kids like me better than you, Brian. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not really a brag. It's already assumed that just people like you more than they like me. Yeah, because of my awesome hair. Uh, and your and your video series of action figures. <laughs> Figuresofaction.com. Um, so, uh, Benedict Arnold moved to Philadelphia where he's the military governor. He married this loyalist, uh, woman who was only 18, by the way. He was, gosh, 36. Well, that was old back then. Yeah, that was like a hundred. Yeah, he was basically a hundred and she was basically 90. So, (laughs) um, and and based on these paintings, boy, she looked it. Um, (laughs) but but jerking off to paintings again, Brian, what are we telling you about that? (laughs) Again, so, Botticelli collection. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at paintings of Barbarella, and then I switched <laughs> over to paintings of Peggy Arnold. You just commissioned uh, that Barbarella painting set, didn't you? <laughs> it's on black velvet. Uh, but uh, but no, so he was living in Philadelphia and kind of living it up and sort of, you know, making making a profit off of the war effort. What and, is cutting um, it up? For uh, a fancy lad like Benedict Arnold in the 18th century. Uh, well, I I said living it up, didn't I? Or, no, or you said I... cutting it up. Oh, he was he was uh, the precursor to Dave Coulier's character on Full House. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, so he was getting blowjobs from Alanis Morissette in the back of a theater while imploring the revolutionists to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Have mercy. Oh, that's um, the other one. Uh, so, uh, so he was, um, you know, engaging in extortion or, you know, the revolutionary war equivalent of same. Uh, and there were all these accusations, his reputation suffered a hit and then he was eventually court-martialed. And, um, although the process took a long time because of delays, uh, about the, the judges and the war effort. Combing needed, powdered wigs. Yeah, court-martial, um, for you laymen out there, is uh, both a um, legal proceeding in the military and a great season one episode of Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> it's no, it's no uh, mirror, mirror. No. <laughs> it's, uh, which is another uh, military judicial uh, Where you go situation. into an alternate dimension and try the evil version of yourself. Yeah, where you go into altered dimension where uh, soldiers are allowed to grow beards, Speci- right. specifically goatee. Um, <laughs> so uh, he was court-martialed, and this is around this time that he wrote that uh, letter to George Washington, on, on whom he, uh, with whom he was uh, on friendly relations. That um, so that letter that I quoted at the very beginning, where he says, "Having made every sacrifice of fortune and blood, and become a cripple in the service of my country." I little expected to meet the ungrateful returns I have received from my countrymen, which uh, really does sum up the the Benedict Arnold story. Where it was he... cool that he could do it in 144 characters, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he uh, so he had kind of been met at every pass by uh, you know political rivals, military rivals. Um, he was his wife had died, his leg had been crippled, he walked with a limp. Uh, all these aspersions had been cast upon him by other Philadelphia politicians, and uh, this everyone is about made the time hey that... Arnold jokes to him all the time. <laughs> and every, and uh, and this is about the time where it would appear that he started to contemplate the idea of going back 
to the British side and selling out his American countrymen. So I think we'll take a little break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss the espionage situation that was going on in America. And we'll be right back on Inside Jobs. To make matters worse, there is constant talk of spies. Just the other day, James told us of his conspiracy theory. Silva! Uh, James says there's only one explanation as to why things are going badly for General Washington. And what might that be, James? Spies. All right, so while Benedict Arnold was up to shit, George Washington was running this amazing spy ring in yeah he was hella good at this shit like what that's what the, the, like regardless of his political choices etc george washington seems like this amazing military leader uh, yeah he's pretty dope reading about his experiences in the revolutionary war and like the choices he made it's like pretty epic but so um he after the battle of boston that i talked about in the first part he moved the continental army down to new york and they were stationed in on long island in what is now brooklyn and he um he he knew that the british were going to be attacking because they started filling the hudson bay with uh a fleet a naval fleet and they were stationed on staten island and eventually they attacked they swept through long island there was the battle of long island which was a disaster they swept the Yankees in four, which was a disaster. And it was a Subway series, so it was even, <laughs> it was even harder on hometown egos. But no, if you if you live in New York, the um, Prospect Park is the location of uh, part of the Battle of uh, of Brooklyn slash Battle of Long Island. And there's a, actually a really cool statue of it. So you can still you can see that them out. fighting today. Because <laughs> they're still reloading those freaking muskets. <laughs> Um, so they were, they were swept and, and Washington sort of did this masterful, uh, you know, overnight secret retreat into long, uh, into Manhattan, uh, where they fought and eventually had to abandon all of New York to the British, uh, under whose hands it remained for the rest of the war. But, uh, because New York was so, uh, so important because of its natural harbor and also just because of, uh, its, its location, near the Hudson River and the way that the Hudson sort of split the colonies in half. Uh, it was really devastating loss for the colonials. And so Washington um, asked for a volunteer spy to go find out about what the British were doing, and he only had one volunteer. And this was a 21-year-old Yale graduate, Nathan Hale. In the Michael Bay version of the Everybody Stepped Forward... <laughs> yeah. and said i am spartacus especially the wacky black guy uh but no uh, it, he it, was a really shitty spy like he's like this <laughs> legendary spy yeah but like he had no plan he had no papers he had no cover story he's like i'm a dutch schoolmaster wink 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 and all he had was his yale diploma and are we talking else. about the wacky black guy <laughs> yeah uh no we're talking about um uh, Nathan Hale, the wacky black guy, was imprisoned with Nathan Hale and taught him how to love before he was hanged. Oh, <laughs> um, oh wait, I thought we were talking about Tony Hale from Arrested Development. <laughs> he, no, the, we're talking Hale about Tony Plow from Leave It to Beaver. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're talking about Tony Stark from Everyone's Beaver. <laughs> so Nathan Hale immediately got captured by the British. And um, he was hanged. And his his story has come down to us in this 
semi-factual, apocryphal quote, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Oh, that's which him? Yeah, which he supposedly said before he was hanged on, like, 61st and 3rd. Um, He's still hanging to this day. <laughs> well, it takes him so long to reload those gallows. <laughs> um, so he was hanged, and this uh, this other guy who had actually been a Yale friend and roommate of his uh, named uh, Benjamin Talmadge uh, heard about this and decided to help Washington beef up his espionage capabilities. And so Talmadge was a major who... Uh, led led a dragoon of like shock troops that's that sort of there's another fucking motorcycle going by are you playing full throttle full throttle again Brian? yeah i'm playing gta i'm so pumped God, for the next full one. throttle what a what a fucking game what a reference by lee uh, yeah thanks uh speaking of i went into the archives last night um to study revolutionary war pulled out my cd-rom copy of day of the tentacle in which you travel back in time to meet our founding fathers, and in the future you need to cut, you need to get rid of this uh, apricot tree. So in the past, you paint the apricots red so that George Washington will cut it down, and that's how I learn about history from LucasArts. <laughs> because if George Washington saw a cherry tree, he had to chop it down. <laughs> exactly. Well, the cherry tree murdered his father. <laughs> uh. Um, so, uh, so the British were in control of New York and Benjamin Talmadge, uh, decided to organize a spy ring or didn't decide he worked with Washington in order to organize a spy ring so that, uh, patriots who were located on Manhattan could spy on the British and tell Washington about their plans and their movements and that sort of thing. And get all of their and, weight loss secrets. <laughs> And and find out how they were getting such big dicks. It turns out it turns out epic pills. Um, so the uh, so he organized these people, and it, it's what's so fascinating about this to me is that people didn't know about this until the nineteen thirties. <laughs> yeah, that America it is kept... its own country. <laughs> The king was like, wait, I don't have authority over you guys? Oops, I'm so sorry. I must have missed this. Um, the king's also like, wait a minute. I'm dead. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't dead in the 30s. He's dead now, right? Who, the, 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 there are no currently living kings of England. What's the, yeah, what's the deal dead, with that? Bro. Pick a king already. <laughs> yeah, when are you going to get it together and have a Does, monarch? Yeah, don't you just move up, like... Do what Benedict Arnold's family did. You just move everybody up one. Yeah, or like Benedict Cumberpatch. His name was original Ricardo, uh, Ricardo Monteblon, but then his brother died and had to change his name to Benedict Cumberpatch. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a complicated joke. Okay. So what is the thing that people just realized in the 1930s? They, that they... there was this Culper spy ring. Yeah, they had been working undercover in the like from 1778 to about 1781 for George Washington, and nobody knew they had existed until somebody uncovered. It was like a chest of letters. Until written. the Freedom in- of Information Act had finally declassified these important files. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what's his name? Charles Grodin had filed the FOIA. Uh, request and finally got the results in 1930s. <laughs> so that's why he hasn't been acting. <laughs> He's been too dizzy going through the documents. 
Also, he was in that movie where Martin Short plays a kid. Yeah, let someone else handle that, Charles Grodin. We need you back in Clifford, too. <laughs> yeah, you would think that... <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <sighs> you would think that people would have caught the Culper spy ring because... Um, Sam Culper and Sam Culper Jr., who were the guys who ran this thing, they would just walk around New York going ding, da, ding, da, ding, 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 and then Junior would go like da da da, ya da da, and then Junior would go da da, but people didn't know what the theme to uh, Mission Impossible was yet. So yeah, like, so yeah. it wasn't wasn't such a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No, so they found in the 1930s these uh, these archivists found this trunk of letters that um, this guy Robert Townsend had uh, had written to George Washington, and uh, they compared some handwriting samples and were able to determine that oh this was this was a spy who was working for George Washington, and this guy had an entire life following the Revolutionary War, but never openly was identified as a spy working for George Washington. So it's pretty pretty amazing that it was kept a secret for so long. Because he was actually a good spy. Yeah, he was way better than that piece of shit Nathan Hale. Um, yeah. Uh, but so um, they used, uh, you know, what they were doing is they were uh, documenting what the British were up to in New York. And basically the British were using New York as a staging ground and a uh, center of operations, a headquarters, if you will, for a lot of the uh, military activities that they were conducting in the area. Now, a lot of people forget that the American Revolutionary War occurred all across all 13 colonies with a lot of activity in like South Carolina and Georgia. I didn't forget the, that. Yeah, no, you, well, you wouldn't. You're a true patriot. Um, I didn't forget that because I didn't know that. <laughs> But um, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about that here because the, the main focus is on uh, what was going on in New England. And so if you're, if you're familiar with the uh, ge- geography of New York City, um, Manhattan is a long island that is on with uh, New York with the is East... the culture center of the world. <laughs> New York is famous for, for for cultural touchstones such as the song New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> It's famous for buildings such as the Ghostbuster Firehouse. <laughs> it's famous for buildings such as the building where John Lennon was shot. <laughs> it's called the Dakota people. The Dakota Fanning. <laughs> but uh, New York is, uh, Manhattan is this long, uh, long island with the East River on its east bank and then the Hudson River on its west bank. And the Hudson goes all the way up to Canada, uh, passing by very important spots such as Albany. And um, uh, and uh, West Point is a, a military fort that is located on the banks north of New York City on we'll the Hudson. We'll get back to that in a minute because West Point figures prominently into this shit. And that's why I mention it. But um, but so the British had this idea that they were going to um, basically cut up through the Hudson Valley and separate New England proper from the rest of the colonies so separating new jersey pennsylvania maryland virginia from uh massachusetts vermont uh connecticut rhode island those areas and that was a big part of their strategy at the time so it was very important that george washington was able to find out what was going on in new york and and 
sort of, you know, find out what the operations were. And so this spy ring, which was led by, as Lee said, the Culpers, who uh, they're both pseudonyms, but it's Samuel Culper and Samuel Culper Jr., whose real names were Robert Townsend, who's the guy who wrote the letters that they found that eventually led to, uh, you know, people finding out who that the spy ring had, had existed. And, and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, gosh, what is the other fucker's name? Abraham Woodle? Woodhull? Oh, so they weren't father and son? No, they weren't father and son at all. They were just two dudes. Man, I wonder how they decided which one would have to be the junior. Uh, well, one of them was a hunchback who lived in a cave, and so he was the father. Oh, yuck. And the other was a hunchback that lived in a cathedral. Yeah, that's how you told dads apart from their sons back then. <laughs> well, dads <laughs> dads were pushing like 37, 38 back in those days. Yeah, true. You had to put, you put them in a home. Yeah. And if you couldn't afford a home, put them in the cave. Yeah. Um, but dads uh, weren't nearly as cool as your dad, Gene, back in the day. Yeah, Jesus, few. That were. was another revolution. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad's revolution. <laughs> Being the best Eugene O'Neill, other than the, the cool other Eugene dad O'Neill. revolution. My dad was like the only dad on the block to have a Pepsi Chill card. In about 150 years, they're going to locate a chest, open it up, and it'll just be all of these uh, jokes that your dad wrote. <laughs> all my dad's secret sunglasses. It'll He'll all be used... presents that, that he was going to give to Gene, but instead decided to give away at the O'Neill Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did I tell you that there was a, such a thing as the O'Neill Olympics? That's like part of lore. That's like part of podcast lore, bro. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if we'd ever mentioned that there is actually such a thing as the O'Neill Olympics that my dad came up with. <laughs> I'm pre- you've mentioned it on either on JJ Go or the other show. I'm oh, okay. It. The unmentionable precursor to Inside Jobs. Right. Um. So, <laughs> so Deep they, Space Nine. <laughs> so uh, it was actually the the original. Um, the pilot that started a different person as Kirk. Oh, yeah, that was when, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Christopher, no, 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 never mind. Moving on, there was a spy ring <laughs> operational in New York, and they did a lot of really cool spy things. It was like, God, uh, using secret messages and, and, and sending them uh, with, with women who wouldn't be harassed by British troops. So they would do this thing where they would write a typical looking letter and then use invisible ink or like lemon juice yes. to, to write a secret letter actually between the lines of that letter. And Didn't they call them like loyalty stains or something? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. It's where you'd have to use a blue light to see how much cum was on the letter. <laughs> and they also had this thing called masks that was really dope. Um, so basically you would write out a note. There was a secret note. And you would write it using a mask that was kind of like a cutout of, you know, paper. And then you would take the mask out and then you would write something around the original note. So it looked like a normal note um and only and then you would send it to someone and then that the next person who got it would put a similar mask put the same mask on top of it and block out the the bullshit part of the letter and then you would only see the secret message so it's basically like a um a mad magazine fold in or or it's uh it's the same technique that cyrus the virus used in con air in order to specify that they would be flying to learner field right so the letter would read do you like it when the other boys play baseball with me? But then when you put the mask over, it says, do you like me? 
Check one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, they would, and and they would do all sorts of things that have sort of entered into. Um, into standard uh, spycraft. Like, like the sunglasses that let you see who's behind you. <laughs> Laser beam watches. Wearing a latex mask so that you look at, identical to someone who is taller and heavier than you. <laughs> <laughs> Hooking up with chicks. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, and there were some close calls. Like, Culper, uh, Culper Jr. was once surrounded by the British, but uh, luckily M had provided him with a watch that sprayed a deadly gas, and so he was able to spray that at the British and get away. A deadly gas known as Gene's Farts. Oh, man. <laughs> the secret's out. <laughs> you might have a micro pee, but you got a macro butt. Uh. But they, they would uh, they, they would go by aliases, and so they were known by numbers. So if you're wondering what the secret, um, the secret spy code name for George Washington was, it was 7-Eleven. George Washington. <laughs> it was 7-Eleven, <laughs> and it, that's because he was known for liking reheated hot dogs. <laughs> I was going to say, that's also Banger's code name. What? Because he does actually like reheated hot dogs. He's been known to have a few. Um, and then there was a, a famous um, woman named Agent 355. And 355 was the standard code name for a, a female operative. But Agent 355 is kind of a, a legendary operative. And um, some think that she wasn't a real woman. Some think that she might have been uh, the spy no- known as Anna Smith Strong. Um, and some think that she was a lady in Assassin's Creed 3. And some think that she was the fiancé of Agent 337. Yes. Agent 337, my name, upside down, backwards. Um, so, uh, why don't you tell us about this submarine? Because I did not come across this fucking thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't so come across basically... this in my research either. <laughs> really, Gene? I'm surprised. You played through all of Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I used a walkthrough, so I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> uh, that's cheating. Okay, so basically the best thing that ever happened in the Revolutionary War besides is that winning they it. built... Yes, besides winning it and Besides all the fourth hats. when we signed that amazing document that gave us our freedom. <laughs> yeah. And all the cool forts. Those were cool, too. Um, basically, it was um, a submarine known as the turtle or the american turtle and basically it was this tiny little wooden um submarine and like you would put a guy in there and the guy would pedal around he would pedal around and the pedals would move like a little propeller and move him around underwater and he could stay under there and he'd go about three miles an hour and uh, go for about 30 minutes and the original plan was Put a dude whose name was Lee Ezra Lee. Wow. Uh, he was the he was the operator, uh, and it was designed uh, by a dude named David Bushnell. And the, the the idea was that they were going to pedal this shit up to um, boats and put little bombs and stuff on them, little explosives, and um, 
and blow up British ships. So they only tried to attack one ship, and it was called the Eagle. Um, and it was one of those those ships that Brian was mentioning in uh, New York Harbor. Uh, and this was on September 6th of uh, 1776, the legendary year. Um, basically, it didn't really work. Ezra was like, shit, and pedaled away, left the bomb somewhere. The bomb kind of blew up. And um, then the the um, later, um, they started using bombs on boats. So basically, they decided, like, well, the submarine was pretty dumb, but we can still bomb boats. Um but yeah, it was kind of like a crazy idea. Um, George Washington at first was like, I don't know, guys, this seems real, real crazy. But despite that, he gave them some money. They went ahead and did it. And afterwards, he was basically like, guys, that was a totally legit idea. You're heck of smart, but it just, we weren't quite ready for it. So they um, decided to, to put iron all around it. And that's how we got the Merrimack. Oh, dude, and, the, uh, we should do a whole show on the Merrimack and the Monitor. And that's not, how we got a, the, the Battle of the Ironclads. Yeah, man, we should do a whole episode on that and then a micro episode on Barbarella. And then um, another episode on the submarine that Chris Elliott builds in that episode of Get a Life. <laughs> <laughs> man, you and Chris Elliott both saw that show. <laughs> so, hey, Get a Life um, was a good show. The cool thing, it actually is, it is great, and it's kind of sad that Chris Elliott never got to uh, do a multi-season run. And Eagleheart, um, Eagleheart is basically everything that uh, Get a Life should have been if had there been no like network restrictions. Exactly, just like eagles are everything that pigeons should have been if they weren't so full of shit. <laughs> if they believed if in they... America, <laughs> instead of just shitting on statues and stuff. Um, they they built a replica of this for the bicentennial in seventy six, um, and then some guys got arrested for um, and they got a ticket actually for uh, doing a using a replica of this in two thousand seven. Oh wow! Because um, they were they got a citation from the coast guard for having an unsafe vessel. <clears throat> wow! Didn't did they explain that that's how we won our freedom? Yeah, it's hard to cite freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so New York was basically this this uh, seedy uh, location that was run by British troops under apparently horrible conditions. If you ever want to read about like the worst parts of the American Revolution, just look up uh, prison ships in uh, New York Harbor because they are fucking disgusting. But these just look up traitor because you're a traitor for thinking there were the worst parts of the American Revolution. There were no worse parts. There were only great parts. So you're saying that British victories were also great parts? We don't consider those part of American history. Right. That's a good point. That's British history. Um, yeah. So. Uh, what about that part where Christopher Walken chopped up a bunch of people's heads as a Hessian? Wow. I missed that part in my research. <laughs> you didn't watch Sleepy Hollow as part of your research. <laughs> Man, guys, yeah, why did I you quit. send that to me? <laughs> Because it's great. That's the best thing that happened in the Revolutionary War is we finally so, took down Christopher Walken. That was so weird. Um, so it's around this time that Benedict Arnold, who we mentioned, I believe, in the earlier part of the episode. Uh, As was a it, douche. Was able to get control uh, of West Point. Washington appointed him as the head of West Point, but at the same time, he was in cahoots with a major John Andre, a.k.a. John Anderson, who was a British officer. 
And he this start- guy was a major pee hound. He was pretty, pretty. Uh, he was pretty James Bond esque. Like he mm-hmm. was always sort of chasing tail. Yeah, and he was sort of a, an espionage uh, undercover guy for the British, and he operated with uh, was with he Benedict an international Arnold. International man of mystery. Yeah, baby. Oh God! Remember from Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that gets me every time. Get him out of here. Um, and so he came up with this this plan where he would get ten thousand pounds from the British in order to hand over, uh, West Point. God, I real I literally forgot the name of it. Uh, and and so he started to do things like uh, spreading the supplies at the west at West Point way too thin so that it could never survive a siege. He was sending um, American troop mo- movements to Andre, and he was basically selling out. The American cause, uh, using his wife as um, his courier, and these these messages were, you know, going through New Jersey and through New York, and eventually John Andre, who had information about uh, Arnold's plan to sell out West Point to the British, he was caught uh, by some of Talmadge's spies, and they handed over the the letters to Talmadge and he was like oh shit this needs to get to George Washington right away uh so George Washington was happened to be on his way to visit West Point at the time and so he gets up there but West Point uh, was across the river from where the Arnolds lived and, was it? <laughs> and he gets to the house and he's told oh uh, Benedict Arnold is out right now and his wife is upstairs sick so he didn't really think much of it but then he received a letter that said, or he received the letters uh, about what they had found on Andre. And this was like the plan to sell West Point to the British was just written out blatantly. And he he realized what was happening. And by that Did time... Did he double take when he looked at the note? Yeah. Uh, they say that his eyes popped out of his head and his jaw fell on the floor. And then his tongue unrolled like a carpet. And then he chopped down a cherry tree. <laughs> he got. To, he had to get them all. They murdered his father. Um, so Benedict Arnold had found out that this was happening, and he raced to get away. And he was able to get to the HMS Vulture, which was a British uh, naval ship. And uh, man, that's such a good bad guy ship. Yeah, it's a really good bad guy ship. I imagine it was painted all in black. Um. And, uh, and by this time, Washington apparently, like, legitimately was calm about it. And he didn't express any sort of, like, pain or hurt over the fact that this guy that he had really trusted had betrayed the he country just kept and the saying, cause. saying, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, whatever, it's cool. Yeah, but then he went into his room and shut the door, and you could hear all these non-diegetic sounds of, like, a room being torn apart and yelling. <laughs> Uh, uh, that would be a diegetic sound. A non-diegetic oh, yeah. sound would be like if they played some music or something. Wow. Oh, they they played yakety sax. Brian doesn't know what a diegesis is. So, um, the craziest part uh, sort of of all of this is that Arnold sent Washington a letter, having betrayed Washington and his country, and was like, Washington, please send my wife on safe passage along with many of my possessions to the ship. And because Washington, you know, well, we don't we don't actually know why he did this, but Washington 
agreed to it and he sent um Peggy Arnold and all these possessions of of Arnold's from their house onto the ship. No no problems. So Cuz he thought the vulture was cool too. He's like, "All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, like, the vulture whatever." That's pretty cool. But um you can have your stamp collection and your forks or whatever. But what I I I think it might have been like uh maybe he was trying to either be a gentleman as was necessitated by the era or maybe he was just trying to be nice for now because uh revenge is a dish best served cold so yeah he probably died before he was able to murder benedict arnold and his family yeah he was so busy being like president of the congress and overseeing the writing of the constitution and then president of the country for eight years he just never really got around to it. It was on his bucket list. But he just I bet what he did it. was he he took all the stuff and like he took his toothbrush and dipped it in soap. Like he took all of his food and he farted on it. So he pulled lots of pranks after he gave it to him or before he gave it to him. He sat for eight hours while a painting was made of Benedict Arnold's toothbrush shoved up his ass. <laughs> and then he then he sent the painting to Benedict Arnold and he was like, "Look what you've been brushing with." Yeah, that famous, famously unpaint, unfinished painting of uh, George Washington <laughs> that you always see. What is unpainted is that he's sticking Benedict Arnold's toothbrush up his ass. <laughs> but also, that's how people brush their teeth back then. So, <laughs> just they really with their butt. <laughs> they brush their teeth by sticking a toothbrush up their ass. Yeah, they didn't have toothpaste back then. Yeah. Also, his teeth were made out of wood. So, WTF. That's why that's why he had to get wooden teeth. But his toothbrush was made out of teeth. It was a weird time. <laughs> uh, so this was this grand betrayal and it didn't actually work. Uh Benedict yep. Arnold was caught before he was able to sell West Point to the British. The British were na- never able to bifurcate the country as they hoped. And uh that major Andre who I mentioned was captured was eventually yeah, they, they, hanged. They hung his ass. Yeah, we hanged the shit out of that idiot. Um, and that's why we have a free country today. Um, what's his name? Benedict Arnold was made a brigadier general in the British Army. in the world. <laughs> as long as you don't mind all of your communications being written by the government. Or read by the government. That would be weird if they wrote it. As long as you're not it. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> We're watching uh, you, pal. We're fucking watching you. Um, Benedict Arnold was made a brigadier general in the in the British Army, but he was never really trusted with any important troop movements or battles. <clears throat> Wait, they didn't trust the guy who switched sides? Yeah, he was seen. Well, it was seen. Uh, uh, his actions in selling out the Americans were still seen as disreputable. And yeah, it's some bullshit, bro. From trying and, to betray the country, we're going to be reducing your role in the army for a little bit. <laughs> um. And so he was sent, uh, or after the after the war was lost, he went to London with his wife, where he kind of lived in disrepute for the rest of his life. And uh, he actually composed a letter. Well, wasn't he a hero uh, in London? No, no. What, what I no, what I what I said was that like the, the English thought it was disreputable that he was a traitor to his country, even though he was being a traitor for them. He had some regrets, I think, is what you're getting at. I mean, didn't he have his wife, like, dress him up in his old continental uniform? And, you know, he, he, he expressed some regrets, I believe. Yeah, he, he wrote a public letter to the American people where he tried to explain what he had done. And he said, basically, um, it's called, oh, what's the name of the letter? It's uh, To the Inhabitants of America. 
Uh, and uh, he, 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 in the letter, he said that you know he when he original when the war originally started, he was the most ardent of patriots, and he thought that separating from the from the British was in the country's best interest. But as he saw the way that veterans were treated by the civilian orchestrators of the Congress and the way that um, in a, he said things like in a, in a country of plenty, many are going starving. He, he basically explained that he thought halfway through the war, uh, it was no longer reasonable to try to uh, separate from the British and that they should remain together. And he said that, you know, history will judge him poorly as it does of all men's actions. Um, and then Lee, like you said, when he was dying, he, he asked to be, he asked to be dressed in his old continental uniform, which, uh, he surprisingly fit in because he had been doing P90X. And so he was still in shape. Uh, and, and, uh, and so he was buried actually in his continental, uh, army uniform and, uh, he's buried in a cemetery at Battersea in England. Still buried there today. Yeah, still buried there today. We didn't we didn't dig him up and hang him once we invaded England during World War there's II. There's actually um there's actually a monument to him in the United States, but it does not name his name. Well, it's so not we have even, a very it's not even a monument to him. It's a monument to his his broken, shattered leg at right. Saratoga. Because yeah, they say that you know he once asked you know what will you do of me or whatever, and some American said. You know, we would raise up your leg as a hero and then hang the rest of you as a stupid little brat or whatever, yeah. traitor. And uh, um, there's there's supposedly a law. I don't think it's still enforced because the First Amendment. But um, uh, there was a law that the Continental Congress passed that said that the name Benedict Arnold is illegal to chisel in stone. Um, and so his, uh, his father who was named Benedict Arnold and his grandfather and his older brother who was also named Benedict Arnold, all of their tombstones were, uh, were dug up and, sh- and broken. And those people now live in, uh, in unmarked graves because of, and they wrote uh, Aldrich Ames on top of the graves instead. <laughs> but that, as they say, is for another episode. And he closed the book. And, um, so yeah, so Benedict Arnold, Gene, inside job or not? Uh, what are we talking about? Shit! I'm talking about uh, full throttle. Like, was he an inside job? Was uh, was was his act to try to sell out the West Point an inside job or not? Uh, I'm gonna say it was an outside job. Okay. All right, they were outside. Okay. Yeah. Because they were outside in a fort. Forts are outside. Uh, Lee, inside job or not? Uh, it was him and that other guy. Definition of a conspiracy. Yeah, inside job. Yeah. I'm going to agree, and I'm also going to say that um, on the 4th of July, when we're celebrating our nation's independence and the freedom that we all enjoy, I'm going to spit on the ground in memory of Benedict Arnold's treason. So, total inside job. And it was against our country, so fuck that guy. Yeah, poor authority for George Washington and Nathan Hale. Man, did you know also Nathan Hale's uh, like great great grand nephew or whatever? His name was Edward Edward Everett Hale, and uh, he was a noted uh, speaker during the Civil War. And he actually spoke at the Getty at Gettysburg's uh, uh, the Gettysburg Memorial Commemoration mm-hmm. for like four hours, 
right before Abraham Lincoln delivered his Gettysburg Address. He spoke, and... for, he spoke for four hours? Yes, he did. And then they had to... Jeez. Imagine God, having to t- sit Everything all took that. for fucking ever back then. That's like a graduation ceremony. The 150th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg starts on Monday, so... July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, you can remember Everett, Everett, Edward Everett Hale and his relation Nathan Hale. That's a fun thing you can do. <laughs> one of them spoke briefly, one of them spoke at length. It must have sucked to be the guy who goes on before the Gettysburg Address. Like, you know, that's like being the opening act for Jimi Hendrix before he plays, you know, the national anthem. It's like, I had a really good four-hour speech, nice, lean, tight four-hour speech, (laughs) and that blowhard Abraham Lincoln just blew me out of the water, and no one will ever remember my Everett, Evan, whatever speech. Hey, speaking of the Civil War, why don't you follow that amazing Twitter account, Fake Civil War? I hear the guy who writes it has no friends. Uh, (laughs) Man... All right. Uh, that gonna... shit is really funny, though. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm... I was talking to Gene. On... Oh, all right. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about that thing, is that Gene gets all the credit for it to this day. <laughs> yeah, and I just wallow in it. <laughs> what major career, Gene. Uh, all right, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. We'll be right back on Barbarella. We all know the war goes badly for the Americans in the South. I, for one, believe you British will be victorious, and I'd like to be on the winning side. May we get to the point every moment I delay increases the chances of my being discovered. Sir, I give you victory. These are plans for the fortifications at West Point, along with the placement of the troops under my command and my promise to further weaken the garrison by sending most of the troops to the countryside. Guys, I think that was a great episode. We really got to the bottom of this crime that was committed in 1780. Yeah, finally. Better late than ever. Yeah, finally. The truth is out there. Uh, It was really fun to talk to you guys in celebration of our nation's independence. And I hope that you guys, both you, Gene, and you, Lee, have great Independence Days. But I hope also that our fans do. And they take a moment to think about the heroes that came before them. And... They think about writing us at InsideJobsCast at gmail.com or tweeting at us at InsideJobsCast or giving our phone our hotline a call. Guys, we didn't get good enough hotline calls to to play on the air this week, but I think people should call us up. It's 413-225-1963. And you could tell us about whatever. Talk about how handsome Lee is. Talk about how you want to give Gene a kiss. Don't talk about me, because it'll probably be something mean. We've received enough calls about the coming race war, though. So, But anything <laughs> else we'd like to hear about. I do have a couple of text messages from Banger, if you guys want to hear them. Yes! Okay. Yo! Uh, and then the next one is, flick the bean. Which, basically, that's his, uh, his, his term, that in order to be a good friend with someone, you have to flick their bean every once what? in a while. Which, what? Which is a reference to their, uh, their to clitoral stimulation. So he says, yo, then flick the bean. I responded, hey, still at dinner. He says, ite. Then he says, yo, we're all here. And I didn't show up. Well, that was weird. That's pretty- <laughs> that's pretty much it that's that the, was that an amazing it. story Lee. yeah that had a beginning middle and end it sure did create a lot of suspense 
Um, the fa- I also want to give a shout out to uh, a fan and friend, first and foremost a friend, uh, Peter, out in England. Uh, he is a Scotsman, but he is living in England. Um, no hard feelings, even though the upcoming Fourth of July is uh, is uh, is upon us. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being a pal. Hope your recuperation is going well. Look forward to seeing you uh, back up on your feet again, my friend. Uh, I'd also like to say thank you to Jesse who is one of our fans on Twitter and is very active in sending me amazing stories about conspiracies, uh, like the recent Michael Hastings death slash murder and uh, other crazy things about the Illuminati. Murder? Uh, I want to thank any of my Catholic family members that are still listening to this show, uh, despite its rampant vulgarity. Thanks for hanging in there. Also, a lot of rampant vulgarity directed at your Catholic family. Right, yes. A lot of blasphemy directed at my Catholic family. Uh, I I feel really bad that right after uh, you finally convinced your family members to listen to the show, uh, I did that micro-penis joke. Oh. Yeah. Joke. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Inside Jobs. We're Brian, Gene, Lee, and Gene's Micro P. We'll be back next week uh, with a microsode. Until then, follow the money. That sounded terrible. I'm going to say that again. Until then, follow the money. That yeah, still sounds terrible. Yeah, that was bad, too. Until then, follow the money. <laughs> Until then, follow the money. Follow the money.